Welcome to Naturally Well, a podcast to help you live a healthier and happier life with a Nordic twist. I'm your host, Kate Turner, registered dietitian, personal trainer, Nordic Naturals nutrition specialist, and owner of Live Well with Kate. Today, we're talking to Carrie Axelrod. Carrie is a functional medicine nutritionist and a leading expert in a holistic approach to gut health and mental health. Carrie trained at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition and has completed numerous trainings in functional medicine nutrition, received her 200-hour yoga training from Boston School of Yoga, her Ayurvedic training through Boston Ayurvedic School, and completed the Stress Management and Resiliency Training at Boston Henry Institute for Mind-Body Medicine at Massachusetts General Hospital. She is completing her dietetics training at Simmons University in Boston, Massachusetts. She has been featured in Pure Wow, Real Simple, Birdie, Reader's Digest, Prevention Magazine, and Well and Good. In this episode, Carrie explains why the gut-brain connection is so powerful, how your gut affects your mood, anxiety, and overall mental health and cognition. We also discuss how our hormones play a role in our mood and how your gut plays a role in balancing or unbalancing our hormones. Carrie went through her own journey with her gut health, which led her to a career in nutrition and helping others heal. Carrie shares her top gut health tips and what an ideal day of eating pure gut could look like. Let's dive in. Carrie, welcome to the show. We were just saying how every gut health episode is different, and I'm so excited to hear your point of view. And I know we're really going to dive into that gut brain connection and what that is, why it's so important, and why not just having digestion or stomach issues may mean you are having some trouble in your gut. Um, But I'd love, Carrie, for you to start off, and we do this with every guest, for you to just tell our listeners a bit more about your journey and how you grew so passionate, not only about nutrition, but then really focusing in on gut health. Yeah. Well, first, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have this conversation and chat and really shed some light on um, the gut-brain connection and some really simple and easy ways in which we can sort of expand the realm in which we think about mental wellness. Because I think for so long, we we, we thought about men- mental wellness in the terms of the brain. And there's so much more that that sort of goes into uh, making sure our overall mental health is in a good place. So excited to have this chat. A little bit about me. I'm a functional medicine nutritionist, and I help women overcome their gut issues and their anxiety once and for all. And what that really means is I take a root cause approach to both gut health and uh, mental wellness. I like to say that I'm a little bit of an accidental functional nutritionist that I really never kind of set out on this journey at all. And in in fact, um, like 10 years ago, me wanted absolutely nothing to do with health, nutrition, fitness, anything along those lines. So I grew up in a fitness household and I thought that it was the most uncool thing ever. Um, I really honestly wanted nothing to do with it. But uh, so my career actually started in political communications. I did my undergrad in DC and studied uh, US foreign policy and got really interested in um, U.S. politics and uh, actually ended up on the presidential campaign trail working in presidential politics. And uh, it was really on the campaign trail and in that cycle of being in a really, really high stress environment where I had no time to take care of myself, didn't know how to take care of myself, that I ended up getting really sick. 
Um, and what started as anxiety and sort of panic attacks, uh, quickly began to deteriorate into my physical body as well. And I was dealing with pretty serious and, uh, fatigue and just like dizziness, some unexplained, uh, symptoms and sort of felt like I couldn't get, get it together in life. Um, and I feel like my story is, is a story that I hear a lot. And then I was going to the doctors and no one really had an answer for my symptoms. No one was really looking at how things were, were connected, you know, for my anxiety, I was just told to go see a psychiatrist for, um, you know, my dizziness and fatigue and weight gain that no one could really explain. Um, I was just sort of given the, the options of here's an experimental medication and your labs look normal. Maybe this will help you. Um, I always, I also say that I'm a really stubborn person and basically took the attitude of, well, if no one else can figure this out, then I'm going to figure it out myself. And, you know, I don't necessarily recommend that approach, but at the, the at the time it was, uh, sort of the only pro- approach that was available to me. So, um, Basically, I had decided that I was going to take a month off from my job and I was going to try and heal. And one month turned into now what I say is a 10 year sabbatical from politics and just never ended up going back. Um, And in that time, I really studied everything from yoga, breath work, Ayurveda, functional medicine, nutrition, and dietetics. And what I say is I really bring all of those different backgrounds and that 10-year journey into the work that I do with clients in my private practice. Oh my gosh, Carrie, what a great story. I didn't know any of that. It's so much more personal when you are going through that journey yourself and then you're able to take clients through that journey as well and you know how powerful it is because it was that powerful for you. And it's just so great when you can share that experience with your clients and you know how much their lives can change because you went through it as well. So thank you for sharing that too. Of course. Um, I wanted to start off with, and we touched a little bit on this um, before about how most people think when they're having gut issues, it means that they just have digestion issues. They have something, right? Like some imbalance in their stomach. But let's talk about some of the signs of poor gut health that people may not realize and obviously particular to the brain too. Yeah. Um, I, I often say that you don't have to have gut issues to work on your gut health. And I think that that is, uh, something to, to, to keep in mind. And that's really important. And the reason that mental health and particularly anxiety can be a a byproduct of poor gut health is the two-way communication between the gut and the brain. And that, that the gut brain axis, I, I consider a two-way superhighway, and the fact that the the brain influences the gut and the gut actually influences the brain as well. So Anxiety is actually one of the biggest things that I see as a byproduct of of poor gut health. So 
the way in which anxiety sort of uh, shows up for the the women that I work with is um, feeling like there's a, a bubbling of baking soda in their chest that they they sort of don't know what to do with or or um, uh, how to uh, sort of overcome poor sleep, feeling like your to-do list is longer than a CVS receipt, and just generally feeling um, sort of really overwhelmed with life. Um, you certainly don't need to be in the state that I was in, um, in terms of, of, of daily panic attacks, uh, to begin to work on your gut health. And I, and I really actually say that like many people wait way too long to see me. And I certainly, uh, waited way too long to, to get help. And you don't have to wait, uh, for your health to deteriorate to that point, um, to begin to, to start working on your gut health. Yeah, no, it's so true. And that's, I, I think there's definitely more discussion around, the gut brain access, right. Or that gut brain connection. Um, but is there anything you think our listeners should know about that connection and why it's so important and just diving into a little bit of the science of how strong that connection is? Yeah. Um, I think that that's a a great question because I think also the, the term gut brain access or gut brain connection, um, I certainly think it's overused, but you know, this is my world and I think it can get thrown around without uh, any type of explanation. So the way that I think about the gut brain access is the gut and the brain being connected physically, chemically, and emotionally. And I can certainly sort of break those three down. Um, and we actually need to work on all three of those connections to really heal that the communication between the two. So um, our gut is actually the largest collection of neurons in, in the human body. So some, uh, studies and, and some research will say about a hundred million neurons are in our gut. Some are saying like 600 million neurons. So I usually say somewhere in between there. Um, and so the largest communication between the gut and the brain is our vagus nerve. And the vagus nerve starts in the back of our brain cell, travels throughout our body and really unravels in the gut. And that is sending our communication between um, the gut and the brain. So at the basic level, we need to be making sure we're working on that physical communication between um, the gut and the brain. So the vagus nerve can really help with things like our digestion, but it also really helps control things like our parasympathetic nervous system, which is our rest and digest, really our ability to calm ourselves down, to chill out. Um, So healing that, that physical connection. And then we can think about the chemical connection between the gut and the brain and the fact that, uh, Things like amino acids, which are digested in our um, GI tract, are are the building blocks of our neurotransmitters, that there's certain bacteria that can help uh, create our neurotransmitters, um, and that our neurotransmitters aren't just responsible for um, our overall mental well-being, but they're also responsible for um, how we eliminate and contractions of our colon. Um, and then I think about the emotional connection here as well. And some really interesting studies coming out about how, um, those who experience loneliness have higher rates of dysbiosis in the gut. And then, um, some studies showing that, uh, stress can actually tamper down the beneficial bacteria in the gut as well, which then leaves us, uh, open to 
opportunistic bacteria overgrowth and infections. And so the way I think about the gut-brain connection, going back to your original uh, question, is really in those three three realms and how we kind of work on all of those together. Yeah, no, I mean, Carrie, that's probably the best explanation I've heard. And I love how you break it down into those three categories because they are so different too. And, you know, even like you were saying, having a little bit of that dysbiosis, which for everyone listening to it's, you know, having more of the bad bacteria than the good bacteria and just having some imbalance pretty much. Mm-hmm. And, but also like, I mean, our immune system, pretty much almost all of it also lives in our gut. So it's like, even if you just find like you're getting sick a lot, um, I mean, you know, we live in the day and age of like, everyone's so hyper-focused on immunity right now. Um, but also just like, yeah, if you're used to getting cold, like common colds, or you find your children are in daycare and they're constantly getting sick and like, right. Like their GI systems are still developing, but we want to even start at a young age to like develop a healthy gut. And I don't think anyone here, when we talk about this gut brain connection and listening how all the ways it can really affect like our mood, anxiety, et cetera, we want to set our kids up for, you know, a good spot too. So just thinking too, it's like at every age as well. Um, I want to touch a little bit on, so I think we all know, and maybe especially as women, I know a lot of our listeners are women, but we all know our hormones can affect our mood. So what's the connection between our gut health and our hormones? Yeah, let I can um, backtrack on that a little bit and then I can answer yeah. that because I think it's helpful to set the stage in terms of what I think about the main root causes of anxiety are, and this is not an exhaustive list at all. So I, I don't want anyone to think that if their root cause doesn't fall into the bucket that I'm saying that, you know, I'm dismissing you at all. I'm not. Uh, these are sort of the main root causes that that I see. So nutrient deficiencies, which actually play a role in, um, or our gut health plays a role in, in how we're absorbing nutrients, hormonal imbalances, um, g- obviously gut health, unprocessed emotions showing up as physical symptoms. So whether that's showing up as, as gut symptoms or, or, uh, anxiety, um, and those unprocessed emotions can certainly be, you know, what we consider like trauma with a big T or, trauma with, with a little T, but I think it's important to know that. And then also really basic things like mineral imbalances, blood sugar, dysregulation, um, circadian rhythm misalignment. So those are kind of the main root causes of, of anxiety that I, that I see again, certainly not an exhaustive list there. Um, so going back to just kind of setting the stage in which, uh, Mm -hmm. I'm talking about, uh, hormones is that, um, I think about hormones in a, in a couple of different ways. So, um, one basic way in which I, I think about hormones when it comes to, uh, both gut health and anxiety is that we need to have, uh, proper elimination to be eliminating estrogen at, at the basic level. And so progesterone is considered our, um, sort of calming hormone, almost like an anti-anxiety, um, hormone. And so certainly, uh, some estrogen dominant, 
issues can can lead to uh, lower progesterone, not always, but in some cases. Um, so we need to make, make, be making sure you're eliminating at the basic level to really keep those uh, estrogen levels in check. Um, and then and I how, think- Carrie, how do we do that? How do we make sure we're eliminating? Like, yeah, I think that that's a great question. Um I'm going to say it, but I know for sake of, yeah. of, of sounding, um, basic, it really is dehydration is one of the yeah. main, oh, Carrie, we love basic over here. I mean, give me all the basic the, tips. Yeah. So one of the main root causes of constipation is dehydration. And, and what I say is, is that, um, you can't build a house starting with the attic first, right? You've yeah. got to build a house with starting at the foundations. And oftentimes what I see is, um, sort of women jumping to, and I say women, cause that's who I pri- primarily yeah. work with is jumping to like supplements and, uh, and missing the water and functional medicine, uh, labs, which I certainly use in my practice. And I have such reverence for, and they've been life-changing, but those are like things like that belong in the addict and they're really important. And like, we should all have addicts for proper storage. Um, but the foundation is really important. So hydration, most women that I work with are not drinking enough water. Um, so I would certainly start there and just a general recommendation. I think we've all heard is half our body weight in ounces, um, per day, and then really basic things like meal hygiene. So meal hygiene is like the least cool thing. It's not sexy, but it's so, so important. So the things that I consider uh, meal hygiene are, um, you know, taking those three to five deep breaths before you eat, making sure your meals are spaced out three to four hours apart, chewing your food, like really chewing your food to liquid. Those are really some things that can help with um, the overall digestive process and elimination. Yeah, no, that's, that's really good to know. And do you find, I'm just curious, Karen, and I don't want to go on a, off on a tangent because I want to get back to, um, hormones too, but I've found at least with many clients and family and friends too, even people that are drinking a lot of water, they're not retaining it because people are either on like a lower carb diet. So they need more sodium, but don't realize it because sodium has always gotten such a bad rap. But like, I know even for myself adding in, um, some, you know, more sodium or even doing like an electrolyte packet with my water, I just notice, you know, like I'm peeing less because that's one sign too. It's like, even if you're drinking all day, but you're also peeing all day long, you're not usually retaining your hydration. So I'm curious if you've seen, that with people to just, I've just noticed how people's diets have changed that. And everyone's so much more active that they're not a lot of the times even retaining that water. Yeah. I think that that's a great point and a great question. And I think we can't talk about minerals enough. Yeah, I know. <laughs> minerals. I know. Um, and for those listening, if you're not familiar with, with minerals, I think about minerals and um, certainly electrolytes fall into that category as spark plugs, that they're the things that make reactions in our body go. So it almost doesn't matter if 
you've got, if you've done like a nutrient panel or something along those lines and your nutrients are deficient, if you don't have the minerals to support the reactions in which the, the vitamins and the nutrients need to do. So I actually always, always, always start with minerals, uh, in love my, it. in my practice and my, with my clients. So I love that you're talking about that. And I think at the basic level, um, just electrolytes and, or an adrenal cocktail, just depending on, yeah. on different, what, needs. what minerals carry do you focus on usually in the beginning? Yeah. Vitamins and minerals minerals in the beginning. Um, I'm thinking about sodium. I'm thinking about potassium. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, there, if I suspect there's anything going on with adrenal glands, we're going to focus on whole food vitamin C, yeah. um, and then magnesium. Mm-hmm. Magnesium is a, a great huge one, one for certainly for constipation. Um, and then magnesium is also considered nature Xanax. And so it has this really calming effect on the nervous system as well. Yeah. So that's another sort of foundational mineral that I'm thinking about. And then I'm always wondering what's going on with, with calcium, um, is calcium being released too much, uh, mm-hmm. into the, into the tissues? Um, is it low, you know, sort of what's going on with that? Cause calcium can have a really, uh, calming, uh, effect on their nervous system. So sometimes our bodies will release uh, calcium if we're in a heightened stress response. And I don't want to get in too much into the weeds here, but that can certainly have uh, then negative effects on our thyroid, which thyroid is something I'm always considering with uh, mental wellness as well. Yeah, no. And I think too, the one fact I love too about magnesium that I don't think a lot of people understand or realize is actually as you're so there was a magnesium stress cycle. So as your stress goes up, we excrete more magnesium, which most of us aren't eating, like taking in enough magnesium through our diet anyways. But if you're in a high stress state, which most of <laughs> most of us are these days, you're just constantly excreting more magnesium. And then when you have lower magnesium, it can increase your stress. And it's just this cycle. So it's like, not only when you're adding in magnesium, does it has kind of this total body relaxation. It not only can help your brain relax a bit, but like your muscles. Um, and cause it helps with muscle contraction and relaxation, but then it also helps kind of you know, at least put somewhat of a halt to that cycle of just like low magnesium, high stress, high stress, excrete more magnesium. You know, it just, it's fascinating to me. Like when, you know, when I learned about that, I'm like, okay, everyone's going to be on magnesium. (laughs) Yeah. I think you bring up such great points. And, um, I think that we in our modern culture have a recipe for magnesium deficiencies in terms of uh, magnesium, like you said, being the first mineral to leave our body when we're stressed. Um, But it is also, you know, sort of one of the first minerals to go from food when it's processed. Um, And it can be depleted by things like caffeine and alcohol. Um, And so certain medications can also deplete magnesium. So just sort of the basics of our life right now and and sort of the way in which most of us live our lives. And I say we, because I'm not immune to any of these things. Um, And so there's certainly uh, sort of recipes here for, for a magnesium deficiency. And it's, it's something that, that I usually will look at first. Yeah. And and unfortunately it's like a lot of our vitamins and minerals, just with how our food system has changed. Like you were saying, whether it's taken out of foods or just how our foods are grown, they're so different than it was years ago. And there's studies to back it up. And 
unfortunately, that's something we don't really have control over in terms of like, right? Like you get an apple from the grocery store and you can't like, you know, look up how many nutrients were retained in this apple um, versus in the 1950s or before then. And it, it's tough to know, but I mean, I have yet to have a client that like doesn't have, when we do a panel, doesn't have a few nutrient or mineral deficiencies. And it's unfortunate. And hopefully we can start to put some nutrients back into our soil and back into our foods to help correct it. Um, but we do, I do find so many people need the guidance and support of working with someone. And then, yeah, at times like extra minerals, extra vitamins, things here and there. Um, but I don't want to get too off on a tangent on that. If you've listened to many of our expert guests, you know that we all tend to need extra support for our gut health. Whether that's taking a probiotic for optimal digestive and immune support, a digestive enzyme to optimize nutrient availability, or my personal favorite Nordic Naturals Nordic Flora prebiotic powder to support the beneficial probiotic bacteria in your gut and for a good source of fiber, there's gut health support for you, whatever your specific needs may be. And to make digestive and immune health more fun for children, Nordic Naturals offers probiotics in a pixie powder, gummy form, and a powder form for infants that can easily be mixed into room temperature food, formula, or milk. Head to nordic.com and use the code naturallywell15 for 15% off all Nordic Naturals digestive support products for adults, children, and infants. I want to get to the good stuff, Carrie, of like, what can we do? Like, what are your, are your best tips for improving your gut health um, that can not only right then improve our brain health, our mood, et cetera, and also support our hormones too? Yeah. Um, I will answer that too, but I just want to make a, yeah. a really important point about stress because I, I, I like to be really careful when I talk about stress and we've, we've talked about it a little bit. And I, I think it's important to make this point is that, um, stress has been used to gaslight so many women in terms of, um, being told that their symptoms are just all in their head or their symptoms are just a result of stress, um, which can then actually create, a uh, some inflammation between our, our adrenal glands and our, in our brain, the HPA access, what we, um, that we haven't really talked about much. And so I just want to say that if, if you're listening and you're experiencing physical symptoms, I believe you, I, I believe that you're experiencing those physical symptoms. And also we can't ignore the role that, that stress plays in our physical body and with our mental health. And so we can be working on healing physical root causes and also um, needing to be paying attention to stress. So I just want to say that because stress sort of gets used to sort of weaponize people with their uh, physical yeah. symptoms. And it's it sort of um, takes a while to to kind of unravel, unravel that. Totally. Uh, and that I also think about stress not only as like job stress, family stress, emotional stress. I think about stress also as environmental stress. Environmental stress. Yep. <laughs> it's the stress we can't even control really, or it's tougher to control. Yeah. And then the physical stress, right? Uh, mm -hmm. I, you know, missed gut infections, uh, some of that opportunistic bacteria in the gut that we've talked 
been talking about. If if there's bacteria bacteria that can cause inflammation that's in higher amounts, then it should be that can certainly cause physical stress in in the body. So we need to be thinking about stress, especially when it comes to this gut brain access in a really uh, sort of holistic way. Yeah. And even Carrie, like the things that we think are like our stress relievers, like if someone's listening and they're like, I love doing um, my HIIT workouts or like heavy weightlifting, which are all like all fine here and there. But if you're doing it too much or for too long a period, that's it's stress on your body. Like you see it in blood sugar results of like spikes after doing a heavy lift session or after a HIIT workout, like it is putting stress on your body. And I'm so glad you brought that up because yes, whenever we say stress, people think of like more like the work stress and life stress. And it's like, no, no, it's like, it's environmental stress. It's stress from exercising. It's a contemplation of all these things or compilation of all these things. But we, yeah, it's even the things that like we think are like our stress relievers that can be causing stress. And it's not to say don't do it, but sometimes at one point you do have to look at it a bit and see how it's really making you feel. Yeah. And that's a, that's a really great point. Um, I just had a client last week, um, ask me, it's like, how do you know what the balance is between those hit workouts that, or running, she's a, she's a runner, um, that she uses for stress relief and really help her with her, her mental wellness. And also, she happens to be really working on healing her adrenal glands, which are at the root of some of her um, PCOS symptoms, some of her endometriosis. And so, um, you know, she was uh, sort of wondering like where that balance is. And I think it goes back to, to something that you that you said. And my answer was like, it depends. And so for right now... That's, based- yeah, that's a tough question. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so for right now, based on her... And I don't think there's one answer, right? I think Mm-mm. you actually have to answer that um, based on individual symptoms, lab results. Yep. So for me, looking at her symptoms, for her lab results, for her medical history and her health history, um, you know, we had to have a conversation that right now... Um, you know, hit workouts and long distance running weren't going to be something that uh, was going to serve her in her health right now. But that didn't mean that um, that was the long term forever yes. answer. I think that the body has an incredibly uh, incredible ability to heal and be resilient. And when you're working with the right practitioner, and when you're really understanding the root cause of your symptoms, and you're able to heal that, um, I think there can be a place down the line, depending on the person, uh, for for um, getting back to a place of resiliency and being able to to, to incorporate uh, some of those workouts. Yeah. No- that's, I mean, it's, it's so, it's such a parallel to, we were just talking about this yesterday with a guest of same with like when you're trying to heal your gut and there are certain foods you have to eliminate just for a period of time until you can, your gut can heal. But it's not to say you can never have those foods again. It's just, okay, we'll have to see when down the road we can introduce it, how it goes. Maybe you like, you know, we have to watch how much, you know, you're having it each time, but that's a great point too. I've never thought of it that way with exercise, how it's like such a parallel with the food part in healing your gut. And I think a big part too of 
if you are like, if you do like to do more intense workouts or more strenuous workouts on your body, a huge thing too, is the recovery aspect, making sure you're getting in, um, you know, a good meal afterwards that's going to support it, that has carbohydrates and protein to replenish, you know, the carbs you've lost during that workout and things like that. And then also like we were talking about even like a magnesium or just that recovery aspect. I've just noticed with people's labs and even like their, you know, their blood sugar is spiking from just from the workout, but being able to actually bring it down with carbohydrates and with food and that recovery aspect. But um, no, I'm glad you brought that up because it is such an interesting parallel. I feel like it, it just goes with everything with healing your gut. You may have to restrict some of the things you love for a period of time, but it's not saying forever, but also thinking of it as like, it's an opportunity and something I try to tell clients, it's an opportunity, whether it's exercise, maybe you like start yoga and you end up realizing you love yoga or another de-stressor. You start like reading during that time and you love that or going for walks, but before you would have never gone for a walk because it's not a good workout, right? Quote unquote, even though it's amazing for you. Um, or with foods, you start trying other foods because maybe you're eliminating some for a period of time that you're so used to eating and you find you actually like different foods. So it, it, know too that it's also an opportunity. Um, but I do care. I want to get back to like your best tips for improving your gut health. Cause I feel like everyone listening, that's like, okay, can we like hear what we should do now? Yeah. Um, so yeah. what would you say are, and again, like you, we were talking about before, like at the basic level, just things people can start incorporating each day. And then it, even if there's some more intricate stuff, um, but what, yeah, what you would yeah. recommend. I'm going to just make one other point yep. in terms of something you said, and mm-hmm. I'm going to promise if you're listening, I'm going to share some great tips that you can start doing immediately. Um, Cause I don't want to just have this be a high level conversation. You're like, how does this actually apply to my life? <laughs> but I just wanted to make the connection between um, mood, adrenals and gut. Cause I, there is actually like a, a connection here that I think, I think can be really helpful. Sometimes, not in all cases, those really intense workouts can actually be a result of cortisol being low. And so we need those. um, We can feel like we need like the caffeine, the HIIT workouts, any amount of intensity to go to get back to baseline. But that is actually sort of keeping us in that depleted adrenal state uh, longer. So if you're like, yeah, but those workouts feel really good to me, but I'm really tired after that could be one of the reasons, but then connecting it to our gut health is, um, and I think this will kind of bring it full circle is that under prolonged stress, um, our body can actually begin to break down our gut lining, um, and release amino acids for fuel for, for energy. Um, and then when we, uh, start to break down our own gut lining, we come into issues of intestinal permeability and we can be super reactive to, um, foods. So we can feel like, uh, all types of foods are making us uh, super bloated or giving us a, he- giving us headaches or stomach aches or things like that. It can show up as skin rashes. It can show up as being really sensitive to certain chemicals. So there are many ways in which the gut and the adrenals are uh, connected and our stress response, but I just wanted to to connect that to the larger uh, sort of gut brain access as well. 
No, thank you, Carrie. I, I mean, I love any, and that's, you know, we actually, we had an episode just on adrenal fatigue and I'm pretty sure to this day, it's like one of our top five episodes because everyone's like, yep, that's me. That's me. But just understanding the why and, and how everything works and what the connections are, I believe really allows people to make those behavior changes because when it gets tough, when they're, you know, changing some of their lifestyle, just having that understanding of why you're doing it means the world. So thank you. Um, okay. And now everybody at the edge of their seat, we're going to get into Carrie's best tips for improving your gut health. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm going to say, I I do sometimes say that I'm like the least cool person on the internet because I, uh, send, uh, give a lot of like really uncool tips that are pretty basic. And they're, um, I say they're simple, not easy because they are actually not easy to implement because it requires us to to make some behavior changes. So just want to preface this with saying, if you think I'm uncool at the end of these tips, that's totally okay. I know. <laughs> um, so one of the, the sort of top tips that I, that I see for, uh, or that I recommend for gut brain access healing and just overall wellness is aligning our life with our, with the circadian rhythm and aligning our life with the, the sun and darkness, uh, schedule. And so, you know, some easy ways to kind of start doing that is getting natural light into your eyes, preferably one hour after waking. If that's too challenging, two hours after waking and just being outside for 10 20 minutes in the morning and beginning to sink our body to light. Um, that's going to help with our serotonin. It's going to help with our melatonin cycle. Um, and then, you know, another, e- you know, way in which I wouldn't say easy, but simple way to um, align with our uh, the sun and darkness and align our circ- circadian rhythm with that is shutting off electronics one to two hours before bed. Um, and that's going to help with our producing melatonin, which is our hormone to help us sleep. Um, so that would be my number one tip. It's free. You just got to get outside. (laughs) Um, so the second one that I really recommend is balancing blood sugar. Um, again, you know, when we're, when we think about gut health and we think about mood, not looking at our blood sugar is like trying to build the addict without the, without the foundation. Um, I see incredible results in my practice with just implementing some basic blood sugar regulation. Um, because when our blood sugar dips, uh, it releases adrenaline, it releases cortisol. Um, and those are our freakout hormones. They feel exactly like anxiety. And so making sure that we have more regulated blood sugar um, and, and a balanced plate can um, really move the needle and is a, is a strong foundation. I say that there's sort of no labs or supplements that can help us outsmart uh, balancing our blood sugar. No, not at all. And that's like also for everyone listening, that's like your hangry feeling too, where you're like, I'll literally just eat anything because you're in that dip from your blood sugar. And we don't want to feel that. We don't want those huge waves. We want, like I always say, like we want like the baby waves. We want to just try and keep it balanced. And you'll, you'll see too, like you just, you feel better. You feel less stressed, right? Like you feel less anxiety because you're not constantly on this roller coaster. 
Yeah. And there's no amount of willpower that can um, overcome low blood sugar. No. There's just really not, <laughs> no. right? The basics, basic level of our survival is, is that our brain needs to run on glucose. And so our body is going to do whatever it needs to do in order for our brain to get the fuel that it that it needs. And so when our blood sugar is really low, we are going to be craving the simplest amounts of carbohydrates, um, the simplest amount of sugar in order to get our blood sugar back up so that our body and our basic functions can, can run. Um, and so it's not a lack of willpower. If you start craving sugar and caffeine, when your blood sugar is low, it's your body trying to get the quickest amount of fuel, uh, fuel source. And so regulating your blood sugar before you even get to that point is really the best way to prevent some of those intense sugar cravings. Um, so what would care? I've, I've asked every gut health expert we've had on because I love everyone's point of view. What would an ideal day look like of eating to support your gut health? Cause you know, like even we're talking about balancing our blood sugar. I mean, obviously we've had, I think we touch on it every episode because I think it's probably one of the most important aspects of health, but what would that look like in terms of like, you know, examples for like a breakfast, lunch, dinner, and snacks. And what are your thoughts on like, you know, should people be having a certain amount of protein or, you know, carbohydrates at certain times or things like that? But what would an ideal day look like supporting your gut health in your eyes? Yeah. My answer is going to be annoying and that it depends. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I, I'll, I'll answer that just kind of generally speaking. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, there's sort of the spectrum of, of gut um, imbalances and, and sort of gut issues. And so, um, you know, if you feel like you can't, you know, I do work with some clients who generally feel like they can't eat any type of foods um, and they're super reactive or any type of food is going to be really, really painful for them to eat. Um, I know that my answer right now is going to feel like it's really far away from what they, um, what they can actually digest. So I'm going to speak to it from, you know, ideally where we would, uh, sort of want you to be and, and to move you to, but, um, when, if that feels, if you're listening to this and what I'm about to say feels impossible, that it just may be a no for right now, but it doesn't mean a no forever. And I really believe that. Um, and I see daily that, uh, the gut can heal, the gut brain access can heal, um, and that people can begin to tolerate foods that they've never been able to, to eat before. So just want to sort of, uh, preface it with saying that, but generally what I'm recommending is, um, a balanced plate. So about 25 to 30 grams of protein, um, as part of your, of your plate. Um, I like to say about one to two hours after waking right now, which will, um, stabilize our, our hormones, our blood sugar. Um, and then about half your plate of non-starchy, uh, vegetables, really getting in your rainbow there, um, about a serving of a healthy fat. So to me, a healthy fat can be, um, some avocado, olive oil, um, coconut oil, you know, really being mindful of the inflammatory oils. Um, and then I do think that there's a place for, um, 
uh, a starchy carbohydrate, about a fourth of your plate. Um, and I think really there is where it's a good place to get in some resistant starch, which feeds the good bacteria in your gut. Um, so that can be some cooked and cooled potatoes. Um, you know, if you wanted to do some oats, just always sort of make sure, making sure your oats are, are gluten-free and glyphosate free, which is a, a whole nother, another conversation, but, um, you know, glyphosate really does have an impact on, on the gut. Um, so that would be generally what I'm, what I'm, what I'm thinking about in terms of a, a balanced plate. Um, so breakfast about one to two hours after waking, I, uh, tend to recommend about three to four hours in between, um, meals, uh, to get that migrating motor complex, um, the garbage system of, of your gut to be, to be going. Um, and then in the afternoon, usually you need a snack to regulate your blood sugar. Um, and then dinner, uh, going back to their circadian rhythm and our, our sleep wake cycle, um, you know, generally sort of trying to recommend that you're having dinner about two hours before you're, before you're going to bed. Yeah, no, that's great. The, the one thing here, and I found this just with so many clients and, and, uh, you know, family and friends, people in general, usually lunch and dinner, people can hit the mark of like the 25 to 30 grams of protein pretty easily. Um, but breakfast is where people really struggle and are usually like under eating protein, which then leaves them like their blood sugar may dip earlier. They don't stay fuller as longer. So do you have some good breakfast recommendations that meet those marks that you recommend to your clients? Yeah. And it's a, it depends. Yeah. <laughs> Probably have to, yeah, yeah, yeah. You may have to edit out how many times I'm like, it depends. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it really does, you know, uh, there's a couple of sort of spectrums again of the the recommendation I'm thinking about one particular client right now who is not hungry in the morning and really 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 struggles with breakfast um and so if you're listening and you're like I just cannot eat breakfast um a know that being hungry in the morning to me is a sign of a healthy metabolism. And I'm particularly interested in breakfast. And so that uh, yeah. we're not relying on cortisol for energy in the morning. And um, our, our, again, it goes back to that blood sugar um, conversation as well. So some of the, so that some of the simple, you know, a simple recommendation that I recommend in the morning, if you're someone that like really, really struggles with breakfast and being hungry, um, is something like gelatin gummies. And so making, um, some gummies in the, um, you know, on the weekend so that you have them, um, putting in a really good source of gelatin, which is also going to be, um, a great source of protein in the morning. Um, and they tend to be a little bit easier to digest as well. So sometimes I start there with clients who really struggle with, with breakfast. Um, and then, you know, if you're not struggling with breakfast, but you're struggling with time, um, Again, a really basic recommendation is smoothies. Um, I'm not like anti-smoothie because I think it's a really easy way to get in some protein, get in some vegetables, um, or something simple as hard-boiled eggs. I don't think we need mm -hmm. to make things more overcomplicated. And I don't think we need to make life more overcomplicated than it already is. Totally. And I like, too, the fact um, that there are certain things we may not think about contain protein as well. Like for myself, I love doing like a slice of Ezekiel bread, which has five grams of protein. So it's like, you know, having that 
You can have, I always stress with people, if you're just doing eggs as your protein source, at least do three, please. And preferably pasture raised. Um, but it's like, you can also, people forget about like, you know, wild caught smoked salmon's a great option. So like, even if you have your Ezekiel bread with some avocado, some smoked salmon and one or two eggs, you can easily hit that. And it's not also going to be like such a time suck. You know, you don't have to make some elaborate breakfast, but oftentimes we forget like there are certain foods too, that don't like fall into just the protein category. Yeah. can also add to it, especially when you're making a smoothie, there are so many things you can add in there, like nuts and nut butters, things like that, that yes, we'll have those healthy fats, but can also add in some, but I just always found people just struggle with breakfast in terms of how to meet those needs. Or they're like, Oh, I eat a great breakfast every morning. And I'm like, Ooh, you're getting seven grams of protein. Cause they're like, Oh, I have one egg and it, and a piece of toast. And I'm like, mm, uh, let's talk about this. <laughs> yeah. And I, um, I love locks. I love the idea yeah. of locks in the morning. Um, you know, it's a great source of omega-3 healthy fats, which are great for the brain. It's a great source of, of protein. It doesn't take a long time to uh, prepare. Um, some of my clients really love putting it on those like pre-sliced um, sweet potato toast. Oh, so you don't yeah, even yeah, have yeah. to do anything um, with it. And so you're getting a good source of protein, healthy fat, and there's your, um, you know, a little bit of your starchy carbohydrate. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, do you carry, so this will be our, our final question for a rapid fire Q and a, but do you have any of your own daily health and wellness non-negotiables that you practice each day? Yeah, I have a lot of them. <laughs> um, but I guess what are your, what are your, what are your top, like, what are your favorites? That yeah, you do? of course. And I, I don't want to like overwhelm people when I just said, oh my God, I have a lot of them. Yeah. You don't need to have a lot of them to, to stay well. Um, I have just been through, you know, a couple of years of a lot, a really, really full schedule, like most of us. Um, yeah. and so nervous system and adrenal, um, repair is something that I'm, I'm super focused on right now. And I think it's, it's okay that we we all go through different seasons in which we're more focused on um, our health. So I'm a huge fan of doing any type of neural reprogramming in the morning um, and just brain retraining. And so um, I particularly like, I can share the brand. Right now I do the to be magnetic work in the morning, which is some journaling, meditation, um, et cetera. And so getting outside and going for a walk in the morning is also a non-negotiable. Um, and then my morning also really consists of uh, quiet time and uh, drinking some matcha and just giving myself the space to actually prepare for my day. Yeah, no, I love that. I know I miss... I miss some of those days. I'm trying to create time. I have a one-year-old and I feel like I still haven't found my balance. Like before I had a very similar, it was like, I would journal in the morning. I would drink my matcha and I just had like this time. And yes, I could wake up an hour earlier before my son wakes up and do that. And that's like kind of where I'm at now. Like, okay, I need to start doing that. Um, But having that like calm time in the morning, you notice the difference in your days between the days you do it. And then if one day you can't, it's like night and day. So I really appreciate that. Um, yeah. so I'll just here, share though, yeah. like, um, 
because I know some people might roll their eyes when they hear their hear my morning if their morning doesn't feel like uh-huh. that at all. Um, you know, some some things that my clients have really found helpful. Um, you know, sometimes in the morning depends on each family, and I'm certainly not here to like tell someone how to run their household in any way. Uh, some of them have found uh, doing screen time in the morning if your child is of a, an appropriate age to be helpful, so that they can spend some some time uh, with themselves in the morning, and that's been a, a solution. Other clients have found that actually after drop-off before they start their workday has been sort of a helpful time to um, to recenter and 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 have some time for themselves. So um, it certainly doesn't have to be when you when you first wake up, and there are cer- certainly some you know other workarounds. Yeah, no, that's a great point. All all notes taken over here for sure. Um, so Carrie, we love to end every episode. We do a little rapid fire Q&A. So first thing that comes to mind, and you may have probably already mentioned this, but what is your favorite de-stressing practice or tool? Yeah. Walking, going walking. out for a walk in the morning. Love it. Uh, coffee or tea? Tea. What kind? Matcha. Oh yeah, me too. Um, actually, I'm like patiently waiting for my Amazon order to come in of my matcha because I've been out and it's back ordered. And I'm like, can you please arrive soon? Because this is a little bit of a struggle. Um, okay. Last question is your favorite home-cooked meal? Mm. I like to keep nutrition really simple. So I'm going to go with salmon, sweet potatoes, and a veg. Okay. So we've had that answer multiple times and it's my personal favorite. Like it makes me just feel at home again. Like if I've been traveling and it's the best, like it just gives you that good, warm, cozy feeling. So I am all about that. Um, well, Carrie, this has been so good. Again, I just love hearing everyone's different perspective on gut health, but it's all the same throughout. Like even when your first tip was aligning circadian rhythm, that's exactly the answer we had with our guest yesterday. Um, so, but it's just, you know, even those nuggets of like doing, you know, talking about the three different ways that we have the gut brain connection and those three different buckets. So I really appreciate all that, but I'd love for you to tell everyone where they can find you, connect with you, work with you, um, and just learn more. Yeah. Um, so I am on Instagram. It's my name at Carrie Axelrod. Uh, my website is www.carrieaxelrod.com. So my name as well. Um, right now I actually have a free quiz, um, both on my website and on my Instagram profile, where um, I basically help you identify the main root cause of your health challenge. So the quiz is you're running, your health is running like a U.S. city. Which city are you? Um, and really give you some free actionable tips based on the main root cause of your health challenge in that quiz. It's 60 seconds. So highly recommend that. Um, I have a group program, um, called the anxiety blueprint, and it is all designed to help women overcome anxiety once and for all. Uh, that program is launching again in October. So we're opening doors very soon. And then I do work one-to-one with, uh, clients all over the country in my, uh, private practice. Oh, perfect. Well, love it. Thank you so much, Carrie. And hopefully we will connect again soon. Thank you for having me. This week's actionable step is to get sunlight on your eyeballs within one to two hours of waking and try your best to get as little blue light exposure at least 30 minutes before bed to ensure your circadian rhythm is aligned and working for you, not against you. 
Thank you for listening to Naturally Well by Nordic Naturals. And remember, you can catch some of our episodes of the podcast on our Naturally Well YouTube channel. For something to do in between episodes, follow me on Instagram at livewellwithkate, where I typically live on my stories, providing a variety of daily health and wellness tips. Naturally Well is hosted by myself, Kate Turner, and produced by Andrew Steven. If you have any questions, please send us an email at podcast at nordicnaturals.com, and we hope to answer your question on air. If you like this show, please tell a friend, share an episode, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.